So welcome back, a new week and a new location. Simi and I, my husband and I, fulfilled our three-year-old promise to go to the JLE in London and teach and come back to Israel. And we just arrived back and are now doing our two-week solitary isolation uh, in Ramat B'Chemesh, painting walls and banisters and taking care of our children. But I thought I'd stop for a moment and sitting here on my mattress um, on the floor and uh, I'd like to share with you some beautiful thoughts on the upcoming festival of Shavuos. You can look at the festival of Shavuot or Shavuos as the smallest of the three festivals. After all, barely any physical preparation is needed, besides for perhaps looking up the best cheesecake to make. <laughs> Compared to erecting a sukkah or cleaning for Pesach, you'll admit it's not much. Also, it's just one day, with very little symbolic actions to tie us to, this di- to the day. However, instead of letting us pass, it pass us by, let's look at some fundamental concepts that hold up the festival, the underlying metaphysical underpinnings, and let's try and forge a relationship with a day that is actually meaningful to us. A very interesting pattern is revealed to us in connection to Shavuos. And that's the pattern of the number three. Moses, the third born in his family, as in after Miriam and Aaron, gave a threefold Torah, the five books of Moses, the prophets and the scriptures, to a threefold nation, the Israelites, Levites, and priests, on the third day of the week, a Tuesday, on the th- in the third month, the month of Sivan. And now this occurred after all the nation had prepared for this event for, you guessed it, three days. Clearly, the momentous occasion of the receiving of the Torah is inextricably linked with the number three. Now, the question is why? The Maharal, who I've previously mentioned, shows us the deep meanings of each of the numbers. These meanings emerge from the understanding that just like there's nothing physical that doesn't have its source in a higher place and every higher energy has its manifestation down here, so two numbers themselves have deep meanings and potentials that we are able to, cap- to tap into. So if we want to understand the number three, you first have to understand the number one and two. Or to ask you to look at, um, say, a bottle of water and ask you, what do you see? You'd say, I see one bottle of water. And that is true. However, it's not one in its, in its essential uh, um, property because it can still be split. You can still break the bottle. Molecular, on a molecular level, there are millions of particles whizzing around the place. Um, it is made out of different materials. You can attribute things to it. You can split it up, basically. You can divide it. When we're talking about one from a Jewish philosophy perspective and why we can only attribute God to this concept of one is because one, as in completely, simply, only one, the type that you cannot divide it, the type that you cannot put it into a category, the type that you cannot um, box it in in any way. It is simply one to the exclusion of anything else. So that the only property that you're actually able to attribute to this thing is its oneness. I know this is very abstract and the Kabbalists go into this in a lot more detail, but that is what we mean by one. 
Think about it as a very, very strong blinding light. It only exists, and when you look at it, nothing else exists. Everything else is flushed out by this blinding light. That is God's oneness. A very good place to see that is in Genesis, when God creates the world. The first day, when um, everything was tovavo and God said, that let there be light, it was the first day, and it was called Yom Echad, day one. And interestingly enough, the second day is not called day two, it's called the second day, Yom Sheni. So why was the first day not called Yom Rishon, the first day? Why was it called Yom Echad, day one? And our commentator's answer is that that was our first our only rich experience of the closest that we could ever get to God's unity. What happened in that first day was the closest ever to that nothingness of anything besides for God. That's why it's called Yom Echad. Afterwards, it's just the second day. So that's Echad. One existence to the complete cancellation of anything else. So what's number two? Well, as much as the Number one is that complete, complete unity and complete cancellation of anything else besides for it. Two is the exact opposite. Two is difference. Two is a split. Two is difference of opinion. Two is fight. Two is um, disparity. And in the second day in Genesis, that was the only day that was not called Tov. It was when the waters were separated. And again, our commentators say that that second day could not be given the description of Tov because that's when the first machlokas, the first um, disparity, was created. It was necessary because this is a world of overwhelming disparity and overwhelming um, pain and um, often not too pleasant resources for us to make meaning in this world. However, it wasn't, the first time was not given the description of Tov. So as much as one is that unity and that simpleness, two is the disparity, the difference. So now, before we go into three, that answers our questions at the beginning of why Shavuos is so linked to the number three, let's try to look at the world from a very cosmic perspective. And let's try and look at the world from a one perspective and the world from a two perspective. What would the world be like from a one perspective? What would the world be like if God had created the world but kept its oneness, kept that place where he is completely visible to the complete exception of anybody else? Well, the answer is it wouldn't have been created. The world couldn't exist in the light, in that blinding light of God's light. Kabbalistically speaking, God filtered down his light until we could even exist. So the one could never have existed together with us. We would just be dissolved in the light. Now, what would it, what's about two? This world is full of two. But what would be if we would live completely in a two relationship? We exist and God exists separately. Well, that kind of relationship would be that God exists and creates us and gives to us and all that. And we exist. But do we really interact? Not necessarily. We don't try to get higher, reach deeper. We may be emotional. We may even feel spiritual about a flower, about a sunset, about love and faith and, and, and family. But it would never be something beyond ourselves. It would always just be emotional or what we would consider psychologically spiritual. And that's where the number three comes in. Because what is three? 
three is when a relationship that was two joins together and creates something that is bigger than the sum of its parts. Think about a relationship where at first there was just one person. Then there were two people, but they didn't really have a relationship. And suddenly they built something. This could be at work. This could be a marriage. This could be a friendship. When you have something that between the two of you is something that you don't have and that person doesn't have, but when you're together, you both have it and it is even bigger than the two of you separately. And that's something that will never go away between the two. And that's the number three. That three, that's the, the unity, that new creation that happens when two um, forces meet. So if you look at it as a relationship, even in a psychological sphere, a one relationship, let's take a, a marriage, a one relationship, that would be a very unhealthy uh, codependent relationship where one of the marriage partners is completely and utterly swallowed by the other. The mood of the other completely affects their mood. The um, actions of the other completely affects their actions. It's basically one person and the other one just, you know, coming along for the ride, whether they want to or not. That would be an unhealthy one relationship. What about a two relationship? Well, that's just a very, very, very functional relationship. Two people living different lives and they happen to be under the same roof. Unfortunately, also very common. So what's a three relationship in a marriage? A three relationship in a marriage is I am completely my own self. My husband is completely his own self. But together, together we build something. We build something of such beauty that I could never have gotten and that he could never have gotten. It is bigger than both of us. It needs us both to be whole and healthy. Otherwise, one of us would just be swallowed up in another one. But when we're both healthy, we bring something to the table that neither of us could have brought on our own. And now this is where Shavuos comes in. You'll notice that Shavuos, the giving of the Torah, is known as the marriage between God and us. But how? Because if God relates to us with a one relationship, then he would just swallow us up and we couldn't exist under his light. And if it's a two relationship, we couldn't relate to him because we would be too distant. We would be too looking at the world just from our own lenses without being able to gain a higher perspective. So what's the three aspect here? What happened on Shavuos? And here's the key. The giving of the Torah. Because what is the Torah? The Torah is a physical means to access a higher dimension. A physical um, set of rules, of laws, of actions that tell us with this you can create a relationship. The Torah itself is that three. The Torah itself is the marriage. God on his own, his light would be too uh, bright for us to ever have free will, however have choice. And this world is too disparate, is too full of confusion and of materialism to gain higher access on its own. But with the Torah, with a set of rules that access a higher realm that we received on Shavuos, we are now able to have a relationship of a three with God. Us being one side, with our free will that we bring to the table, which is so, so vital from God's point of view, and God himself, that he brings everything else to the table. And the Torah binds us both 
That's why the Torah is called the covenant between God and us. It allows this relationship to take place. So that's why the number three is so prevalent when it comes to Shavuos. The third sun, the third week, the third month, the third day of the week to a nation of threes. The Torah of threes. Why threes? It's because the Torah is the three. The Torah is the key to a three relationship with God. And going back to Genesis, while Monday got no description of Tov because of all the disparity that happened then, Tuesday, the third day, got Tov Ma'od. Very good. The commentators say one for Monday and one for Tuesday. But the deeper message here that we can now understand is disparity on its own, individualism on its own, has no worth yet. But once you've made yourself into your individual person, and then you can enter into a meaningful three relationship with another person or with God, that's when the number two makes sense. That's when everything comes together and becomes very good. So when we go towards Shavuos, what we can do, what we can meditate on, is first of all, am I a person? Do I know myself enough to bring myself to the table? Because again, the prerequisite of having a three relationship is being a person first. So do I know who I am? Who am I bringing to the table in this marriage with God? And second of all, what is this Torah? This Torah is able to take me from my physical plane and give it meaning. Let it get higher, come higher to where I otherwise wouldn't be able to have access to. If we meditate on that and we realize that this also exists in all our relationships, but right now in, on Shavuos, we realize that that's essentially what we need to do. That the Torah that we're receiving on Shavuos is a Torah of action. A Torah, not just a, th a theoretical one, but one of action. That every single action takes us from a place of two and brings us up to a place of three. As always, I would love to hear your feedback and have a wonderful Shavuos Chag Sameach.